Hello everyone, I'm Professor Margaret Rogers Van Koops. Most of you who know me have been listening to me for a long time know I like to be called Dr. Margaret. Anyway, this is Journey into an Unknown World and what I do is I give you insights into the normal, the paranormal, the strange and the unusual the health aspects, your life endurance times, and things so far beyond what most people want to talk about these days. Yes, we're all looking at the virus. We're all stuck at home. So I thought this would be a good time to talk about relationships. In fact, I'll tell you right up front that I'm working with my producer to have easypeasysolutions.org up and running in September where I will be giving online Zoom classes. So if you're interested in wanting to actually join me in those classes, um, perhaps you'd like to email me to Professor P R O F Margaret R V C at gmail.com. Head it, I want to join your classes so I'll know that you are wanting to enroll in all the things that I do. Now, every class will be $35 for an hour and a half. And if you know other people who you think would like to learn too, then I would much appreciate a share so that we can let people know that we are going to be online and share our information. Now, the first six classes are going to be free and they're all going to be about relationships. So I thought that I'd begin here with my show, Journey into an Unknown World, and talk to you about the different types of relationships that we have. Now, obviously, I've done radio shows for half an hour uh, many years ago, uh, and it's time to review that now. So, of course, the first relationship we ever have in our life is the one with our mother. In fact, we have had a relationship with our mother long before we even come into embodiment because you see, we all know one another in the spirit world. Yes, you have many families from past lives. You've had many friends from past lives. You've had a lot of interactions, both dark and light, relative to the times of those past lives. And of course, it's frustrating because you can't remember them. But in truth, if you could remember them all and have your super mind as you do in the spirit world, you could process your lessons and you could say, aha, I saw this, I did that, I've evolved from there to here, and you would feel very pleased with yourself. But even in the oneness, when we reassess how well we've done, there are always times when we find ourselves lacking in some way. And when we do, we want to come back to the earth and test that part. So in the oneness, before we ever come into embodiment, we usually prepare some seven generations before our time. And so as an onlooker watching your future uh, families, you know, becoming involved with everything, you are integrating in the spirit world as well as with those who are already on the earth. So if we go back seven generations, you can see that we know right away from history and records that the standards of living, the styles of living, uh, the modes of transport and so forth, it can go on and on was very slow, people were much smaller than they are today, and the point of view was much limited by circumstances. For example, you lived in a little village, and maybe it was five mile walk one way to another village, and uh, you could maybe swap some vegetables there, but if you wanted some wood or something, you might have to go another five miles or 20 miles to get some. So you see, it was hardship in those days, but 
Was it really? By our standards, it looks like hardship, having to go hunt, look for things, find them, barter. But the truth is, you're born to that time, you accept the ways of that time, and you work with it, and whatever happens to you, whether it's good or bad, you're having relationships. And each relationship that you have will be either a supportive one, a testing one, or a destructive one. Now you might say, why would I want to set myself up with destructive relationships? Well, the truth is, if you had everything all easy so that you could just sit back and be loved and just do whatever you wanted to do, like pottering around in the garden or deciding to go to work and make some money and it's absolutely just enough for everything you need, you would be complacent in time. You would just take it for granted. And of course, as soon as you do that, it becomes boring and you find yourself saying, I wish I had something else going on in my life. So you see, you do need controversy. You need someone to challenge you. And of course, when we have family members, such as mother with child, and mother says, no, you can't eat that candy now, immediately the child is going to say, but why? And mother says, because you're going to eat. And I say, oh, but isn't eating candy eating? Why can't I eat it? <laughs> Rationale, yes, we all have it. We all can make two and two make four or 29 or a million if we want to go really off uh, campus, as it were, and lose ourselves on this planet. But the truth is, we all want to fit in too. So we try to be what we think other people want us to be. And there's a motive behind that. If I am whatever that person wants me to be, they'll be kinder to me. And with a little bit of wangling here and there, a bit of manipulation here and there, I can give them whatever it is they need and in return, I'll get what I need back. So shall we play swapsies? Shall we put a price on it? You know, my toy is worth more money than your toy. So if I give you my toy, I want you to do, give me two toys. Yes, I actually heard a child saying that the other day. They're bright and they know what's going on about money and they know that their parents don't have much or are struggling at home to try and make more and so they're learning at a very young age that money is important and you're not to squander it. But how's that going to affect them when they grow up? So let's go back to the idea of mother in the spirit world preparing to be born and you are going to be her child once she's grown up and ready to have a baby. And you've made a plan about that. Now let's say your mother's journey is more about self-esteem, self-worth and value in terms of womanhood. But your journey, being a later generation, will be more about reorganizing and restructuring the style of living. So you can see right there, there's a different point of view. When you come into your mother's body, you have to take on all that she is. Now, even though you knew she was going to have a different storyline in the spirit world, you've already got a part of you accepting that what she is doing is a good foundation stone for you to learn that you want to do something different. However, within her activities, will things happen, you know, they always do, that rub off on children, and that becomes part of our RNA. And that information is then stored on top of mother's perceptions of the world that you've absorbed in the womb, and your own coding, your perceptions of how you want to live in the world. Now, if we have extreme opposition within these programmings that we call cellular neuromuscular memory, 
um, started obviously by your DNA and then your RNA as you're born, it's inevitable that there's going to come a time when you're going to say to your mother, I don't get you. You're not hearing me. You're not seeing me. You're not listening to me. You don't understand me. And we see that thrown about a lot in relationships these days. If I go back 150 years, um, women were in their place. They had to do what the men said. The children had to obey what the father said. He was the king of the castle. And he didn't care about mother's feelings or children's feelings as long as they weren't an inconvenience, as long as there was someone who was going to take responsibility for the household. So wives took on that role. Well, of course, simply put, wives running a household with staff and, you know, cleaners and washer-uppers and whatever maidservants they had in those days if they were wealthy, okay, they had to make sure everybody got paid, everybody was doing the right job at the right time, and running an estate was a full-time job. So she had to have reliable managers and organizers. Well, in a way, you might think, well, that has nothing to do with something more governmental, something more cha transforming and changing. But in reality, it is. If women hadn't have taken on those kinds of roles in the situations where they could be leaders, they wouldn't have fought for the vote. And they wouldn't be going on peace marches all over the world right now um, because they've evolved from those generations that have gone before having learned that their soul coding, their DNA and their RNA has set them on a different pathway to transform and change the way we perceive ourselves in this world. Now, I want to use the example of a whole pie. As long as the whole pie is not disturbed, it seems to survive and it sits there in the fridge or on the side. But after a little while, if it's left too long, one of the servants might eat it and it's gone. No more left. Or maybe it gets moldy and it has to be chucked. Well, it's the same with our personalities. You know, we sit with one another in the same room. We take them for granted. We assume we know their every thought, their every feeling. We think we know all about their emotions, their mind in terms of their arts, their crafts, their education. And as mothers and fathers, we want them to be supremely clever. Well, of course, there might be a disappointment if the child has dyslexia. I happen to have um, two sons that have that point of view in their life. One was more dyslexic than the other, and so was I. I was dyslexic. And later I found out my sister was also dyslexic, and still later I realized, as a result of my research, that even my mother were dyslexic. So what is dyslexia? It's the part of the brain that can't quite make the pieces of the puzzle fit together. So it's more random in that the thoughts rush in and rush out. If one is focused without having dyslexia, one can become very fixed on one thing and see it through to its entirety, its finish, its completion. But, hey, what are you going to do next? There's no springboard into something else. One has to close a door and carry on with a new project whatever might surface, uh, tempt you, and it might not be exactly what you want to do, and it may be disastrous, it may be you lose all your money, and then you say, how can this happen? Well, somewhere back in your ancestry, some of your uh, family members probably didn't manage money very well, and you've got that in your DNA. And so you launch yourself off in desperation to try and make some money and lose out. And then you blame and shame everyone around you. 
and ultimately if they don't take the blame and shame you'll blame yourself and your low self-esteem worth and value will put you into a misery hole now if we add to that the idea that hey Prince Charming or Princess will come along and wave her magic wand or his magic wand, carry me off into the sunset and make everything right. I'm sure those of you who have done that, uh, who are older, remember full well that no person can fix another person completely and utterly. If they try non-stop to always be there for that person who now considers themselves weak, uh, incapable of standing on their own two feet, it's not long when love turns to toil, and toil usually brings up anger and frustration, and of course the person who's sitting at home saying, poor me, I can't go to work, I've got a bad heart, or by now, or you know, I, I've got... Uh, can't sleep or whatever it is the thousands and thousands of different things that could come up in each person one or two of them will be used as the excuse and the person who's trying to make them happy will become so frustrated with that excuse that they'll walk away and then we find mums having trouble with their children children run away from school or from home go and sleep on a friend's floor and nobody knows where they are and everyone's worried hey has that happened to you did you actually run away I'd like you to pause for a minute and think just how much misery a family goes through when a child is missing now it's bad enough when they're shot wounded or killed or hauled off by some villain as an excuse to use as manipulation to extort money. There's so many different ways we don't need to go into them all. But I think you're beginning to understand that love of a child and child love of a mother is crucial to the life that is going to continue in the years ahead of that child. So if a child is born to a mother that gives that child away, one could say, well, there's no connection with the DNA. There's no uh, input from the mother. There's no real love, spiritual soul bonding. Well, here I want to tell you that while your mother is planning to be your mother on the spirit plan in the physical form, but hey, she also knows that she's only the vehicle by which you can come into life with the coding of her ancestors while also knowing that your adopted or stepmother or whatever it is that comes into your life is the real person that is going to help you find your destiny. Recently I had a client who was complaining about their stepmother, who was, in her words, a very, very swear word woman. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, that's your point of view. Well, she's always doing this and complaining that and ask me this and I feel like I'm her servant. And I said, well, maybe you are. And she looked at me and I said, well, what were you expecting from her? Well, at least I thought I'd get a cuddle, she said, and a thank you from time to time. And I said to her, have you ever thought about the background of your stepmother? And she started to rattle off all the poor things that had happened with this family. And I had to say, stop, stop, stop. I need you to realize that her journey has been an unstable one. You had a mother that gave you stability in the beginning but she passed on and now you have the ability to give your stepmother stability and she looked at me like what you know and I said to her well you've got it within you how to be nice supportive loving all the things your mother taught you to this woman so that she'll learn to trust you and not think that you're going to try and pull your daddy away from her well she got the message a little while went by, she called me up and she said, 
I get it. There was a to-do. We went over that. And I said, well, what did you do? And she said, well, instead of yelling and screaming and all the rest of it, I went up and gave her a kiss and said, I love you, like you said. I said, good girl. And so she said, it worked. So I said, of course it does. When you tell someone you love them and you show it with a hug or a kiss, it's what they need. They melt in your arms. And they remember that because it's kindness. So all of you people who are at home, stuck with your family, maybe arguing all the time, how about switching over from it's your fault and no, this is my toy or, you know, I don't know what to do because I can't work this on the computer or whatever it is that's driving you insane. Put it down for a minute. Take a deep breath and think to yourself, I'm lucky. I do have a family, even if we're at sixes and sevens about what we're talking about. Maybe we never agree, but we do have one another. And it's time we learned to integrate who we are. One of the things I like to do with families is to have them all sit down and we have a talking stick. It's not a new thing. It was done by the Native Americans here, but I found it in many countries. And the point is, you can only talk when the person's holding the stick. So if someone else wants to interrupt, they're not allowed to. What you have to do instead is write down the sentence that you were responding to and put next to it whatever you believed you wanted to say, a few words to remind you and then carrying on listening to what the person is saying until they're finally done. Now let's assume that they're complaining, moaning and groaning and everyone else who's listening is going, yes, but you do this and you do this and you do this the same. We don't want that. That doesn't do any good. What you have to do is just write down uh, whatever your thought is, I see you do this too and note what it is. Now, as you notice what that is, stop and ask yourself in your own mind for a second. You don't need a lot of time. What would you do if someone told you? Would you argue or would you go away and think? Go away and rethink you and your modes of action. Well, I hope you will go away because my advice to you is you just write all these things down that that one person has said. Nobody fights back, nobody passes their point of view, you then stop the session, have your tea, milk, coffee, whatever it is you're all having, and then put the TV on and forget the conversation. No more talking about it. Then you enjoy yourselves together as a family, and then that night you go into your bedroom on your own, and you write out whatever it is you feel you would have said to that person had you have interrupted. And you can write as much as you want. And that will be your reference for yourself in the times to come. Now you might want to give yourself a break of the next day. And then the de so during that next day, you can say to your family, who's up tomorrow night? or tomorrow afternoon, whatever time you choose. And someone in the family mustn't make excuses. Someone must volunteer. Now, when they are doing their talking about all the things they want to complain about, we might include school and other things if they're a child, no answering. Remember, they've got the stick, they're talking. Again, you will write it down, whatever it is they say. Work, uh, keywords, I think, would be best, especially with children. Now, if it is a child and they've done their talking, because they won't talk as long as adults, about, Mom, you weren't here, you didn't meet me from school, so-and-so did something, or, Dad, you didn't take me to the football when you said you would, you know, blame and shame, these are the sort of things kids come up with. Let them talk all they want. And when you get the talking stick, you ask them, have you finished? And they say yes. And then you pass the talking stick 
to the second child. And the second child has the right to give advice to the first child because children can't wait for a day and a half. Okay? So they will turn around and say, you took my bricks or you did something and you didn't give me a candy and so on. Okay? You can't allow the child to say that. You have to make it very clear in the rules before we start. The child has to give a response that is kind and nice. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I admit I didn't think about the fact that you might like some. Next time, I'll share it. It has to be offering of help to the sibling. If there's more than two children, you've got three, four, five, or eight, like one of my son has, then each of the children needs to give some nice advice. Okay? Nice advice. And mother and father would be writing down whatever they think on hearing the nice advice. It might be that the parents don't agree with the nice advice, but we do not speak about it this night. At the end of the session, when all the children have given good advice to the first child, then you all congratulate one another, have some hugs, get your popcorn out, watch TV or go play your games and do whatever you need to do. Whether it's chores or whatever, organize. So this next day is about making a schedule list for everyone who is involved stuck in the house. So for example, if you have four children on Monday, the girl takes out the trash. On Tuesday, the boy takes out the trash. Or number three child takes out the trash on the third day and so on. A rotor. Or washes the dishes to put them in the dishwasher. Or if you're uh, really poor and you don't have all those things, then their tasks are to make beds, clean house, or whatever there is to do, even cooking. And you have to understand that these children who are living in poverty don't have very much. So a lot of kindness from parents and a lot of love, even though the parents are very miserable, is very important for all. So children, if you're listening to this, mummy needs a hug, daddy needs a hug, your siblings need a hug, and so do you. Hugs are very important. Being that we're all stuck at home, with the COVID-19 and it's now flaring up again, uh, attacking our digestive system and our lymphatic system, meaning that you're not gonna have much resistance to other bugs. We have to be very careful how you hug, kiss, and so on. Because even in a family, one person can have it and everyone can have it. So I suggest you make some chores during the day, such as my chore today for me is every hour I wash my hands and my face and any other part I've been sweating in because it's very hot where I am. Or if you're in a very cold place, I'm going to keep warm. I'm putting lots of sweaters on or whatever. Then, okay, your body is still putting moisture on the surface. So wash, okay? This uh, new strain of the virus, the coronavirus, uh, my spirit guides tell me will last until Christmas. So uh, 2021, we should be moving away and the planets are also less condensed over us, meaning that we'll have more freedom of choice in the way we perceive ourselves. So having talked about how to stop arguments in a house, I also want to talk about how to stop the motives that cause the arguments. So let me come back to siblings. Let's go there, okay? If we have four children in the family, one or two might be very artistic, musical, while the other two may be very more scientific in mind or more practical like football and games. And so you can see just by their interests that they can be very self-opinionated about their own sense of what they do 
in order to build up their own self-esteem, self-worth, and value. Now, if the other siblings don't show any interest in their interests, or give them applause or satisfaction, what we get arise instead is jealousy. You always get all the attention. I don't. You're the one who plays a violin and everyone says it's wonderful. I go and kick the ball around and shoot goals and nobody tells me I'm wonderful. It's not fair. I know I'm good at what I do. Every child goes through jealousy. You can't be master of everything and that's something they have to learn. However, with these children being born with three extra DNA strands now operating, we have children that are whiz kids, especially with technical stuff. You put a, a phone in the hands of a 18-month-old baby and as soon as they learn how to switch it on and off and push buttons and play those games, by the time they're two or so, they know what they're doing with that. And I've seen my grandchildren doing that. Whereas when I was a child, had I been shown one of those, and even today, I'm still saying, well, what do I do? <laughs> and my ch grandchildren teach me. You see, my mind wasn't educated to believe that I needed to know technical stuff. Because there wasn't any technical stuff in our world when I was born. Not any way that we had in our house beyond a radio. Even a gramophone was something my parents couldn't afford. And when they finally did buy me a record player, it was joy, great joy, that I could play the same record over and over again. Now, if you gave a child today just one song to listen to over and over again, I'm sure they would be complaining bitterly when they can download any songs they want from online. So we can see immediately that the world that I was born into, World War II, and the world that these children are born in today does have something in common, bombs, violence. It's going on all over the world. So there is a repetition in ancestry. My grandchildren will come to me and say, when they have a homework or something, what was it actually like living after the war finished? And of course, I could reminisce and tell them. And they would sit there with their mouth open, couldn't believe how we lived with ration books. And everybody only got two ounces of meat each. And potatoes were counted because the farmers had to be sure that we all got local produce. No food was flown in on aeroplanes in those days. To a child today, they look at you in amazement. Wow, I was having another conversation with a child about chickens and she was very bright. And I asked her, did she like chicken? Yes, and where did it come from? From the grocery store. And when I asked her, well, where did the chicken come before the grocery store? She said, the factory. And I said, well, what about before the factory? And she just looked at me and shrugged her shoulders. I later showed her a picture of a hen. And then she looked at that and she said, they're beautiful. I'd love to have one as a pet. And I said to her, do you realize people eat chickens? She said, yeah. So I said, do you like chicken? She said, yeah. I left her to do the rest of the work, to realize that chicken had to die before they could eat it. I didn't want to be that aggressive and shock her that they have their necks wrung every second there's one being killed in this world. Nor did I want to let her know that every cow is killed one a second. They knock it out and jab it out in seconds and strip it all in a minute so the hide is off the, the body. Imagine someone doing that to you, knock you over the head, you're dead, strip you of skin, put it all in deep freeze. Well, you might be one of those people that likes to leave your remains, then you would be happy with that idea. But most of us, we don't think about 
what our body, how precious it could be to save someone else. Most of us think, well, when I'm gone, I'm gone. You can bury me in the earth or burn me up and uh, my soul will amplify all that I am in all of you. And then those that remain say, hey, I miss grandma, grandpa, mummy, auntie, uncle, whoever it is. And I'm uh, very sad that I've lost them. But I'm very grateful that they were in my life because I learned A, B, C and X, Y, Z. And as a result of their presence in my life, I've become much more. So my question here is, why does it take a moment of realization of death that brings loss? Can we not do the same with the animals and start thinking, how does an animal feel? when it's one minute alive and then it's dead and then some great great angel is taking its spirit into the spirit world and it knows it has a baby somewhere and it doesn't know where. It doesn't have words, it doesn't speak. But maybe you're a Hindu and maybe you believe that sometimes your grandma or your auntie will come back as an animal and that you can choose to be an animal. In fact, I can tell you quite honestly that one of my past lives was a panther and I could recall crawling in the long grass with vision that was paramount to beyond anything we have in a human body. We could see so well. But you might say, but animals don't have souls or spirits. Well, that would have been what they would have said a hundred years ago. But now today, metaphysically, people are beginning to realize that every living creature has a personality, it has DNA, it has RNA, and it has interactions with other species, as we do with other species. And so we are one big family in terms of the oneness. We all interact our energies here on Earth, and like manner in the oneness, we all interact our energies there. So why can't we get along as a family unit? Why do we have to always be jealous? Well, the bottom line is, jealousy is actually a method in the way that you drive yourself to want more and try harder. Now, some of us may say that trying harder is impossible. I've already tried harder. I would say you've struggled with a negative attitude that you're going to fail before you start. And then I would say, how come you don't just start and then go on a quest with it? Like, I wonder what's going to happen. I'll try it. And, oh, that's interesting. And be a detective. Wouldn't that be fun exploring, trying to be a Sherlock Holmes rather than going into a panic and blaming everyone around you because you can't do it and they're not helping you? Independency. We all need it. And as we grow up away from mother, child has a developing character and personality tested by siblings, by granny and grandpas, uncles and aunties, Tom, Dick and Harry's at school, and anybody else you can think of. If we stop and think about how many people have come into our lives up until this point in time, you would be amazed to know that you have met and talked to, even if it was only one word like no, you have met, contacted the energy of thousands and thousands of people throughout your life whom have all known you in other lives in some way, shape or form. And each interaction that you've had with a stranger to someone who becomes part of your family, to your own children and your own parents and so on, there is a chain of energy that runs through them all. You could say it's an earthly change of energy in that we all combine our energy together as a country to try and make the country work for us as much as we can work for the country. What does that mean? 
every day we get out of bed and we think, what do we want to do? And we think about the value of money. We think about what we appreciate in the home. We think about the fact we have friends and uh, social life and all these different things. And it's not long before we take it all for granted. And when we get to that point, as I said earlier in this talk, we actually start to rot. And then things start being taken away from us. These people who want more taxes or these people who want higher uh, fees for their services and so on empties your pockets. And you start to think, how dare they? They're, they're not being fair. They've got these rules. They've got these laws. They're controlling me. Well, here we have to say, you set yourself up to be controlled by being complacent, assuming that life will go on consistently in the nice side of things. When in reality, you need someone to come along and burst your bubble in order to understand that there is more than just this comfort zone you've been in, that there's more to you in the struggles, trials and tribulations you go through and be grateful for the fact that all these people who come into your life through work, through school, through gardening or anything else you like to think of that you've met and talked to have brought you and given you a little bit of information that is there in you now to help you find your new direction and to do something entirely different from the habitual things you've been doing before. Now, I've had many people, you know, when I'm a counseling person, I've got many people who come for that. And uh, when we're talking about their issues, the one thing you keep hearing all the time is I, 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 I. I said this or that, and he said and she said, but I, 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 and she said and he said, and I, I, I. Well, the bottom line is, I would like to hear you talk more about when I was here, there, someone said something, I didn't understand it, what do you think it means? That creates conversation with someone. It stops you going into assumption and coming up with your own idea that you think you have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. And so this is why it's important to pick the brains of people who come in and out of our lives by having conversations. What do you do? That's interesting. I've seen people actually say that and then go blank when the person starts talking because they really didn't want to know what that person wanted to do. And they interrupt and then tell them everything that they do. That's not fair, is it? It's sort of 25% of the new guy, I've got something there, and here's 75% of me. We need to know that listening is important. And I know when I was in school, the teachers always used to tell us, you're not listening, listen. And of course, when my children grew up, I was saying to them, you're not listening, listening, listen. So what do you hear? It's not just about, oh, I'm complaining, you know, so-and-so didn't do such and such, but I'm going to act out this a little bit here so you can get the idea a little bit more. Oh, I hate so-and-so. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. He's let me down. I'm furious. Now, if you were looking at what I just did, my voice got louder. The tone changed. It was more sing-song. Imagine how those tones were hitting your body when I did that to you. It had an effect on you. I'm sure you want to turn it down right away. But you see, we are all exposed to all sorts of sounds all day long. Telephones ringing, uh, maybe the radio's on in the background at work with subtle tunes playing. 
you don't realize that your mind is processing what you're hearing, 100% of all of it, but you may be only listening to a conversation. But maybe that music you're hearing is a song that irritates you, and that can affect you in the way you listen to what a person is saying. You can't have a conversation and really know and understand and feel a person unless you have silence. And this is why it's very important to have the talking stick. Because you need to know that no one's going to interrupt you. You're free and relaxed to say everything you want to say. You know no one's going to bite your head off if you say some bad stuff, even if it's wrong. And you know they're going to go away and ponder what you've said and why you've said whatever you've said. And they, they will come back with their writing when they're ready and present it to you in the future. Now, it doesn't mean that someone has to come back and, uh, and throw everything at you the next day. Sometimes families need weeks, depending on how bad they've been in terms of lack of communication and lack of listening. But if you have the time and the patience to do two sessions in a day, then the first one would always be with the children. I've given thought about what you said to one another, and here's my suggestions. Do you think, and you give the suggestions, and then you say, do you think you could work with this? And then you listen to them. You don't go, yes, but, yes, but, and interrupt. You listen. And they'll whine at first and say, no, and he's always this and he's always that. And that's once you've listened and you've watched what they're doing, then you come up with more suggestions, i.e., here's my suggestion. If you feel angry with your brother, instead of shouting and yelling at him, just give him an angry look and go sit in your bedroom and read a book. You'll cool down. On the other side, son... When you are upsetting your sister and she's yelling, stop and realize she's giving you that look. It means time out. Stop upsetting me. You must go into your room or another room, the kitchen, wherever you want them to go, and sit down and think, how would I feel if all that was said to me? And then when you're ready, you can both come together and say sorry to one another. Sounds easy to do, but willing wills often want to keep everything going, okay? The old history, as uncomfortable as it is, as hurtful as it is, is the known reaction and therefore considered easy to do. To stay silent, to listen, and muse on it afterwards, not many people learn to do that. So, here we are on this planet with 8 million people and we're having more babies all the time and here we are losing about a million people with um, the virus in each country. We're cutting our numbers down. We're trimming our numbers down. If you had a tree that was overgrown, you would get a tree surgeon in and you would cut off some branches and you would make it ready for spring. Now, it's the same with our relationships. It takes time. We have to prune out the parts that are sores, the parts that are habits that keep on constantly rubbing us the wrong way. If everyone was to listen, children wouldn't run away from home. We wouldn't be worried out of our mind. They wouldn't get raped. They wouldn't be abused. So much would be different. They would be more sociable. They would be able to hold their own with their peers. They would be able to accept that, hey, I'm good at sports and practical stuff. Maybe I'll be a mechanic when I grow older. I definitely am not a doctor type just because dad's a doctor. We have to let... These children choose their careers. You know, a hundred years ago, you had to follow dad. You had to learn dad's work and business because it was expected that you would carry the business on. There's still a lot of countries that believe that. 
But that's going to change because we are moving into a society where we have to integrate. And by integrating not our classes, but our personalities. When I grew up, we had class distinction, upper class, lower class, middle class, any other class anybody else wanted to invent, in fact. Oh, and you belong to this group and you can't belong to that group. It was all sectioned off. Today, everybody wants a piece of the pie. Everybody wants their mouthful. And here we see countries all over the world right now saying they don't want their governments to run them as if they are still living 300 years ago or 400 years ago or a thousand years ago depending on how old the country is and this is an important factor to realize that when we enter the Aquarian age which is now but we don't really know know it completely because we're still running Piscean consciousness another hundred years from now the Aquarian age will be people who want to syncopate musically, if you like, their interactions so that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. Everything will be relabeled, reorganized, restructured because the tech technical age is here. Now, if you think about a child who was learning only in the 1970s, they had to have cards with words on. They had to learn the shapes and speak the word. And everyone said, oh, this is a much better way of teaching children how to read and write and spell. Well, as I said earlier, I had dyslexic children and I was dyslexic. You box words up. And now we know through a computer system that the brain doesn't read all those letters. It reads the beginning and the end and the general sense of the sentence and knows what that word is because you've seen it so many times. It's a photo memory of that word. You don't need to say, for example, L-I-T-T-L-E spells little. All you do is you see the L, the one T in the middle and an E and you know what it is. And if there's another letter in there that's different, you know what that is. Our brains are evolving. The brains that people had back in the 1700s are very, very different from the brains that we have today. We have more creases in our brains. We have more surface because of the creases in our brains. And of course, we're growing bigger and stronger, so our skulls are growing bigger, so our brain has a bit more room. We are evolving. And people talk about aliens and we've been, you know, some way engineered and changed. Well, of course we have. Thousands and thousands of years of eons of time, there have been species here on this planet. And they've come and gone, died out. Other people have come and gone. And then we've interacted with genetic engineering. And here we are genetically engineering animals, our own babies. Uh, what more are we going to do? Okay, we will evolve and one day we'll live somewhere else. But until then, our first step is to learn to know one another, to listen to one another, to appreciate the presence of that person in your life, and to understand that when there are arguments, jealousy, judgments, anything going on, it's all about you are not listening to me. So stop what you're doing. When they're angry and frustrated, sit down and say, okay, I'm listening, no matter how important everything else seems to be. Because that person is more important in your life for you to learn a lesson in giving of yourself to listen than any money in the bank or any other situation you're thinking about. Now, on that note, I've been talking to you for nearly an hour. I would like to say that if you feel you need my help at all, you will be able to write to me. Um, I'm going to give you Professor P-R-O-F Margaret M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T R-V-C at gmail.com and when you write to me say in the top where the message is I need your help Dr. Margaret 
then I'll know you're not pitching something, okay? And I would like you to leave your phone number so that I can call you back on the phone and we'll discuss what your issue is, what your problem is, and how I can help you. Now, if you're having a lot of relationship e issues, I'd like to let you know that next month I'm working with my producer. We're going to be teaching on Zoom and we will have a website up called Easy Peasy as spelt solutions as spelt dot org e-a-s-y-p-e-a-s-y-s-o-l-u-t-i-o-n-s dot org go there when the website is up uh, towards the end of this month and sign in say your name your email your topics of interest because there's a thousand one things we can teach you but the first ones, they're all about relationships. And I'll be talking about not just a generalized situation here in terms of yourself and being aware of others and family unit. But we're going to take, for example, um, mo mother with grandparents or uh, father with grandparents or um, out of the family void into strangers at work or out of that into creative artistic stuff and so on. So we'll be looking at the different kinds of relationships that you are likely to be having uh, in your life. And uh, this will be free to you uh, when we start it. There'll be about an hour like I am now talking. But every so often if somebody wants to ask a question, they will be able to put that question into the chat room and then my partner will read it out and tell us and I will stop the flow of what I'm talking and answer that question. And then at the end, the other half hour will be all for you guys to ask me questions. If you need your own soul structure coding and you like spiritual advice and all that kind of thing, once again, write in the top of the email to profmargaretrvc at gmail.com. Write, Margaret, I need a DNA and RNA spiritual reading. Same thing, leave your phone number, I'll get back to you, okay? I am here to help as many people as I can because I know we are all desperate for someone to hear us, love us, support us, give us advice and help us make life, you know, the best that we can make it. My last little thing to sell you is if you are interested in the books that I've written, then please go to Amazon dot com and just put in my name in books and you'll see all my books will come up there are 15 of them and there'll be a few more soon if you'd like to watch my videos go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash dr margaret okay um we will have uh, more talks and i will in time also be trying to get my radio shows up on YouTube as well. Um, so we'll see where we go from here. But as you probably notice, those who've been following me, that this is an hour show. So I'm going to be doing two one-hour shows a month now instead of two half-hour shows. So I am open to new suggestions on topics that you feel I haven't touched yet or maybe I've only skimmed over, but you'd like some more um, you know, details about that particular topic. And so, again, write to me, Professor Margaret RVC at gmail.com, and here head it, topic for radio show or videos, okay? And uh, I'll know then, I'll read it, and I'll reply back to you and ask you, leave, my, leave your phone number again, uh, and I'll give you a conversation about, and get, really get to the point, the nitty gritty of what it is you want to know. See, if people don't tell me what they want to know, then I just rely on the one is to give me the topic, and then I sit down and we speak. 
So today, you've heard me mostly speaking with some insight from Spirit Guides to bring me back to the beginning of my conversation. And the last but not least thing is, if you want to know about your DNA and RNA and all that, please do buy the Rejection Syndrome. You can get it uh, as a download, it's an ebook. won't cost you much at all. And read that, and there's lots of stories in there. And last but not least, if you're into Donald Trump and you want to understand where he's coming from, his ancestors, it's a good study work. Again, you can get it as an ebook. It's a good study work to see how all his ancestors prepared the way for him to become president. It's not about his presidency. We don't have opinions about that. Okay, when you read that book and the first two, uh, the sorry, the first one, rejection syndrome, you will already know about the soul coding. It's all explained. And when you read Donald Trump, the Enigma of Society, you'll see it in action. So on that happy note, I say thank you for listening to me. Be well. Be happy. Enjoy life. Bye bye.